0: All right, so I thought this week uh, we'd do one more kind of weird week we 'll get back to TV shows next week because TV shows are nice because they 're so uh, there 's always something to talk about. you know you just talk about the TV show where when it 's more about general topic stuff, who knows i don 't know what we 'll even have to say about this particular weird thing that i 've drugged up this week but but whatever again we'll just we 're always kind of meandering around with this podcast and trying different stuff first off though, I wanted to say. Somebody commented on last week's episode where we were talking about the tiny apartments in Tokyo and particularly the first one that didn't have a washroom. And we were talking about, like, what do you do? Like, you know, is this guy going to try to poop down his sink? Like, who knows?
1: Catch it in a baggie. Yeah.
0: So what the person mentioned is uh, they said that it it was a very scant comment, didn't get into details, but uh, with a humanure system... They said a manure system would work and doesn't smell if you do it right. That's all they said. And I was like, you manure, like it's uh, as one word. And I'm like, what is this? So let's look up this revolutionary concept. But as far as I could find, it's like a fancy pants term for the same old compost thing. It's just, from what I could tell, it's just basically you poop in a big bucket. You get like one of those great big buckets and you just put in sawdust and stuff. And it just, you know, you just have a process going to turn it into fertilizer. And it seems awesome if you live in, like, a farm or something, especially if you get, like, five or six buckets going.
1: Well, sure, and they used to use that with the old outhouses. Yeah, right. That's exactly what they did. But how would you do it in a small little apartment like that?
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, I feel like uh, the guys I watched in particular, it's this couple that live off the grid, but, yeah, they have, like, six of these containers, and they have a system. You know, it takes months to... to, uh, The
1: problem with that... In that little apartment, though, is the little apartment was really only one room and it wasn't even wide enough for you to stretch your arms out from side to side. So you'd have a hard time finding a place to put the buckets unless you opened up those patio-type doors and put it outside in that Mm -hmm. little green area. Yeah,
0: that's what I was thinking is if he turned his whole backyard into... Into his uh, manure system, and maybe I don't know. Maybe you could also have a flower bed or something, because you got to use this fertilizer for something. But but yeah, I felt like from what I saw, unless there's some something else that I didn't find, yeah, it doesn't seem realistic in just a little apartment. You really need to have a house somewhere. But if you do, especially like a farm type situation, it seemed great. It's like yeah, why not? Seems good. But I, I don't. Well, in
1: that case, if you had a farm, you you just build an outhouse
0: yeah yeah
1: because that's what they did with their human waste they did it and their farm waste they ju- they always just used it for composition.
0: yeah and that's that's the thing too is people do claim that if you do this properly with whatever sawdust seems like the common thing but there's a bunch of different things you can use to get your composting going and yeah apparently it doesn't really smell but <laughs> i still feel like it should be outside well, right Well,
1: then You'd also have to have some place to store your sawdust or whatever material you were using to help decompose this thing. And the little room really is not big enough for any of that. Good thought, though, you know? (laughs) Obviously, whoever was listening to that podcast was giving some thought as to what to do with the situation when you are renting a place and you don't have any bathroom facilities. So uh, anyway,
0: along those lines, uh, the idea I had for this week is it was something I mentioned last week, and then I forgot when we were just watching random clips and stuff. I was going to show you this thing, and I forgot, but then I realized it's it's probably enough. I certainly think it's interesting enough, but I just, I don't again, I don't know how much there is to say about this. It's just an interesting thing, so I thought, let's try this out this week. So we were looking at tiny, weird apartments in Tokyo that were really cheap, but... It was kind of uh, like a goof. It's like, uh aha, you know, you're just such a cheapskate that you're willing to take these weird apartments. But it, it wasn't necessary by any means. You know, it was obvious that if you did a little more hustling and looked a little harder, you didn't actually need to stay in these places. So that made me think of when it's not optional, when you don't have any choice but to live in these little tiny places and the thing it made me think of specifically is the Kowloon walled city that used to be in Hong Kong. And there's not like a definitive documentary about this. There really should be, because it's, it's fucking fascinating. So I found a bunch of different weird little things that are of various levels of use. So I thought, first off, while I'm just blabbing about it, let me just put on some footage of it, because this is like a documentary that came out in 1980, but there's almost no information in this. There's very little voiceover. It's mainly just to see what it looked like. So why don't I just play that in the background while I'm talking, because uh, footage of this place is actually pretty rare, because it got destroyed in the early 90s. So there wasn't access to cameras and stuff like there are now. So I'll just play this in the background while I tell you the story of the Kowloon Walled City. So generally what happened here is, You know, there was that whole deal with uh, Hong Kong, big war back in the day. The British beat the shit out of the Chinese and took Hong Kong basically for a hundred years. I don't know why they made that weird deal, but it's like we get to have it for a hundred years. And uh, then a hundred years is not as long as you expect because it, you know, went back to China a little while ago. But in that hundred year period where Hong Kong was owned by the British, it was a lot smaller and it kept expanding and expanding. But there was this area in Hong Kong, this Kowloon area that was a, a military outpost that 2000 people lived inside. And every time the British tried to expand into that part of Hong Kong, these 2000 people would fight back. And it was just never worth it to the British to really put their all into getting rid of these people. So they basically made an agreement. They're like, all right, look, we have Hong Kong for the next hundred years. But if you really want the Kowloon little fucking military outpost that badly, fine, you can have it. That'll stay part of China and Hong Kong will be under British rule. And then Hong Kong just grew around it. So there's this little place that's about the size of four soccer fields that was right in the middle of Hong Kong and was still under Chinese law. So it ended up being this weird thing where if you were some weird refugee or you were escaping from mainland China and you came over to Hong Kong but you had nowhere to go or just whatever various weird reasons you might be an indigent person you would go to the walled city and it went from 2,000 people to 18,000 people to by the end like this is decades and decades 33,000 people lived in this place but the walls couldn't expand the border was what it was so they just kept building up and they built up 14 stories and the only reason they stopped is because they were reaching the flight path of airplanes If they went any higher airplanes would bash into this place So it was completely unplanned There was no law because it was technically under Chinese law, but China couldn't get there to Administrate anything because it was right in the middle of the British stuff. So 33,000 people lived in this little area And this is it. This is what you're looking at. And it was just like, unless you were at the top, you didn't even see the sun. You know, like it was just layer after layer after layer of these weird little places. And uh, the population density, like compared to, say, um, Manhattan. So I was a famous New York hater. I did not like living there. And I didn't understand what people thought was so great about Manhattan because it's only so dense because it's an island, right? Like there's nowhere else you can go, so they just keep piling shit into it. And if you're into that, you're into that, but I thought it was miserable. But the population density of Manhattan is like, I don't know, 33,000 people per square kilometer, something like that. In Kowloon Wall City, if you go by the same metrics, it would be 1.2 million people in that same amount of space it was the densest place on earth there's never been a a place ever where this many people lived in such a small area and yeah so it just kept building up and building up until the late 80s when uh basically they were preparing to give hong kong back to china and they just didn't know what to do with this place (laughs) so basically china China basically said, we don't care anymore. You do whatever you want. So the British finally got everybody to leave and knocked the place down in the early 90s. But this is footage from the 80s. And it was just, it wasn't on the the grid because it wasn't connected to the British part of Hong Kong. So they stole energy from Hong Kong proper. There was like one water pump in the whole place that everybody went to to get water. And it just, you just lived there. There's all these little businesses. Apparently there was a ton of uh, unlicensed dentists. Because if you couldn't, for whatever reason, jump through the hoops to have a proper practice in Hong Kong because you didn't have the British citizens stuff or or you just ran away from your old life for whatever reason, tons of dentists in the walled city. <laughs> and obviously drugs, tons of opium production, tons of creepy shit going on in there, prostitution and stuff. And... uh I guess like the air quality was really bad. That's something a lot of people bring up because obviously (laughs) like what the fuck and people tried to map it and it's like all these floors and different passageways and it was like so complicated and confusing because it was not planned at all. They just built on top of the previous thing. But on the other hand, people that grew up here, they all have kind of fond memories of it. They're like in my dreams. I still am there. It's fun. It was like that's where my family lived in like little
1: and everybody else.
0: Yeah. So it's, like, obviously insane, but but cool, right? But I would never want to live there. But just that that existed ever is, like, so neat. How I heard about this, actually, is uh, there's this book, the guy William Gibson, who he kind of invented the cyberpunk genre, he did this book about uh, that they had shut down the Golden Gate Bridge and basically homeless people took it over and just built all kinds of crazy shit on the bridge and it was a really neat book and i was reading an interview with him and he was like yeah you know it's not like it was my idea i based it on the kowloon walled city i was like what the fuck is the kowloon walled city and that's how i found out about this thing and it's like how did this how was this real how did this exist so uh like i said there's not really a proper documentary about this but i found like a 15 minute bbc documentary that was the best of what i could find so i guess we'll just watch that and then uh that's, again, I don't know what we'll have to say about this, (laughs) but but I just thought compared to what we were talking about last week, it's just an interesting topic of like, because everybody here, like similar to Manhattan, like Manhattan is such a weird, the reason that no other city is like that is because it's an island. You're just stuck. This is like that times fucking a hundred. Like you're not only stuck geographically, but you're stuck politically because you don't have the right ID to be a British, Chinese citizen, you have to live here. It's the only place you can live if you're in Hong Kong without your paperwork and shit. (laughs)
1: Yeah, everybody would know everybody, though. I can see why people as adults looking back would have a fondness for it.
0: Yeah, like, again, like the sensationalistic part is like, oh, the opium production and the triads ran it and whatever. But here's just like old people playing Mahjong, you know, and there's kindergartens in there. Yeah,
1: and all those kids, somebody was doing the cooking down below and you saw the kids in a gated area up above. And there must have been about 10 or 15 kids in there. But they'd all be talking and yakking and, you know, there'd be a real sense of camaraderie in being that close to everybody else.
0: And it, it calls into question, too, that idea of, you know, it sounds so insane. Like, you know, to me, again, like I was saying, Manhattan is too crowded, too many people. This is Manhattan times 100. But how much space do you need? You know, like, really, the problem with this place is, I'd say mainly the lack of ventilation, the lack of airflow that, you know, gave people respiratory problems. But if it wasn't like that, if you could somehow make a place like this, it's like the world's biggest tree fort. You know, like if, if you could... Sort out that part of it. Is the actual living conditions of it is it actually that bad? You know? <laughs> like, if that's just what you're used to, I mean here we're seeing actual footage of it and people walking around and stuff. It's it's not like you're in a crowded subway every day of your life. There's still room, there's still it's remarkable how much but again a part of it too is because they kept building up. Like the fact that it goes up fourteen floors is insane, right? <laughs> like like they said like the people that tried to map it like you would just go up a stairway you never saw before and you're on a different weird hallway and you're like who lives here I don't know but just <laughs>
1: just. but if you lived there you would be you would be aware of all those little nooks and crannies and mm. especially if you were a kid you'd be exploring all that stuff all the time and pushing your way a little bit further into new areas of that city
0: And yeah, I think it's, it's not coincidence that, uh, here's like missionaries that have their own little religious ceremonies and stuff, but, uh, yeah, it's like that it, that it kind of grips people's imagination is understandable. You know, like there is nothing like this. It's so, it's so cool (laughs) and clearly too, again, because, uh, You know, it's just this weird situation they were in. Uh, no rent, you know? (laughs) As long as you can find a place in there. You might have had to build it yourself. But if you can find your own little corner of the Kowloon Weld City, and you just live there for free. I mean, that's got to help on the overhead with these, like, businesses that are making steamed buns or whatever. (laughs) You
1: You better hope you get along with your neighbor, so. Because if you don't, oh, that's got quite a lot of space in it, that one.
0: And, uh, the, the one super creepy thing, besides, I guess the drug stuff in it was pretty creepy, but, uh, there were stories though of like people would die and it's like what do you do you can't like bury them because there's no room and you can't take their bodies out into hong kong or whatever and sometimes like families if somebody died they would just take the body to like a corner somewhere and leave it (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes it'd be months before someone found it and it's like that's fucking creepy
1: what, they would take them to some little corner in this city? Yeah. I'm surprised they could find one.
0: Yeah. Well, again, I guess it's, again, just, like, the three-dimensionality of it is, like, again, like, this building we're in now. What's it like? With the basement, we got four floors. So they had three times that much. <laughs> just, like, like even though, and I guess it Except wasn't. Except
1: there's somebody living on every floor in their, in their 14 floors. Yeah. And you'd think somebody would find the remnants of the body. But maybe there's little cubby holes and
0: yeah, yeah. Weird like,
1: little places where you can especially okay. if people self built. Yeah, they might have had little nooks and crannies and that that nobody ever looked in.
0: So uh yeah, so I've got like this one fifteen minute documentary about this, so I guess we'll watch that. And uh and then just to toss on about this, because this has been gone for decades. But this situation is creepy, but it's kind of coming back in a weird way in Hong Kong. Hong Kong's still the place that's all fucked up. Where when I was researching this, I found out about, you know, we're talking about these small apartments in Tokyo, but it's like, haha, look how small it is. It's just kind of funny. The situation in Hong Kong is way worse. They literally call them coffin apartments (laughs) because they're so small and they're basically like a, a chicken coop. It's just like a cage that you live in with 18 other people in the same, like all in one apartment, all with their own little cages and not even that cheap like about 250 bucks a month so i thought we'll just watch that too just because this is the creepy side of you live in these tiny places not as a lark not because you're a weirdo but because you don't have any choice and it's like man hong kong is just it's been fucked for a hundred fucking years and it's still fucked (laughs) So, (laughs) so yeah this is our wacky hong kong episode But yeah, so if anybody wants to watch the thing we're watching, it's called City of Imagination, Kowloon Walled City, 20 Years Later. And yeah, this was its only 15 minutes. This was the best little documentary I could find. But yeah, I feel like if there's ever a topic that deserves a full 90-minute documentary, it's this place, but no one's made one yet. Maybe partially because footage and stuff is very hard to come by. The first time you come across the place, its
1: it's overwhelming.
0: There aren't enough homes and people like me are just being ignored. Alex Sky News. Hong Kong. Yes, I think I forgot to mention the second thing we watched is just called Hong Kong's Residents Living in Coffin Homes. So, uh... As was I was weird, right? watching
1: that, I was wondering, is this what happened to the people who lived in the walled city?
0: I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of knock-on effect. I mean, it's been decades, you know, since then. There's obviously who knows what happened in between, but, uh, I mean, I think there's probably... Yeah, it's
1: only been, well, well, 1980, uh, 30 years.
0: Right. Yeah. And, uh, and isn't it ironic that when you see, like you were just saying, with these, these coffin apartments, first off, they're not that cheap. They're very much like the uh, capsule hotels or the little capsule thing in the Russian airport or whatever, mm. except it's just a crappy little, <laughs> you know, area that you live in. But uh, I watched other stuff about those. And yeah, it's about 250 bucks a month. So still not that well, great and, a deal. At
1: least the capsule things in the in the Russian airport, you're only there for overnight and you get a TV, you get Wi-Fi, you get all kinds of stuff in your little in your little thing. They don't look like they have anything.
0: And isn't it like ironic I guess about these like these little capsule apartments that are now happening in Hong Kong? I mean, I think there's a certain amount of rose-colored nostalgia when people report about the Walled City, but the Walled City seemed better. If I had to pick, I'd rather live in the Walled City than just these creepy the, little...
1: And the, in the Walled City, yes, your own little unit, and you may have you didn't have a little unit, actually. You shared space with other people. Like they, they said there was one unit there that uh, four families shared the unit. Well, that would mean that you would have o- some open space. They had a nice dining area there that obviously a whole lot of people shared it. But you would have camaraderie with your other four families or your other three families. And here, you're very isolated. You're in your little little box.
0: Yeah, like when people talk about, like, "Ah, I have dreams about the old walled city or I kind of miss those days. No one's going to say that about their fucking coffin apartment in Hong Kong nowadays.
1: No, you just enter into this long hallway and go into some little room at the end of the road. And here's this one little room.
0: And arguably worse, too, because, like, the walled city at its peak was 33,000 people. They said, like, 200,000 people are living in these little chicken coop fucking weird tiny little boxes in Hong Kong now. Like, yeah, it's like uh, that problem certainly wasn't solved. And you're not
1: just one. Well, they, they showed the one family there. There was the, the husband, the wife, and the little baby. And they had lived there for four years. Now, the baby, obviously, is only about a year old. So mom and dad lived there in this one little... like Well, the mattress basically filled the room. So they basically lived on their mattress. Yeah. And then they had another little mouth to feed. Now there's three of them living on the little mattress. Like, Lord.
0: Yeah. It really is creepy. It's like, yeah, the creepy other side of like how last week I felt like it was just kind of a fun topic of like, do you think you could do it? Like it's a weird little personal test to live in these weird crappy apartments. And then you had to see the Chinese equivalent Of like you just don't have any choice. I saw another thing because that coffin apartment report we saw was about those protests in Hong Kong in the last two, three years where the bigger problem now is they did a little similar report about a guy who he lived in one of those little things, like 18 people all in one little area, but he was on the mainland when corona hit. He was back home visiting. So he had to try to get back into Hong Kong And then how do you self-isolate when you live in a place like that? So the other 17 dudes that lived there were very upset that he was there because he had just been to the mainland and who knows or whatever. So he ended up getting put in like a government place where you could wait out your two weeks to make sure you didn't have COVID. And he said it was actually great. That place was way nicer than his apartment. (laughs) But what I kept thinking the whole time is, yeah, like obviously... Like, with COVID, combined with those living conditions is just fucked. There is no way to be not around people. It's impossible. But I was thinking, like, how bad was the mainland? How bad would it be to go work on the family farm and live out there? Why would you come back to Hong Kong just to live in that place and spend 250 bucks a month to be able to? It's like, again, it's not a100 dollar apartment. It's kind of a little expensive. I don't know. I thought the whole thing was really weird. Like, is Hong Kong that fucking great? <laughs> I would I would be... I don't know, because if you're going to be destitute and poor anyway, I don't know, that's what I would do. I would just go work on the rice farm with the family and yeah. just live out well, in the... if they the... have
1: a rice farm, I don't know, what was he doing on the mainland? Did they have a farm that he uh, was working on? Or... He,
0: he didn't get into the specifics, but I mean, if he went back to visit his family on the, in the countryside, I mean... They're alive. They're doing something. <laughs> you know what could be worse? I guess is what I'm what I'm questioning. But
1: as I started watching that, as I s- said, to you, I started wondering, what did they do with all those people that had lived in the walled city? They obviously didn't pay any rent. Those people. Yeah. They were squatters. They said that right from the beginning. So all of a sudden, they have been displaced, and they have been put somewhere so that that building, buildings, the whole acre and a half, whatever could be destroyed and a park and created. So what happened to those people? Where did they go?
0: And not only that, like beyond just having to deal with poor people, a lot of why they were there is because they didn't have proper paperwork or citizenship stuff. And they booted everybody out in the late 80s and the city didn't revert to China till 1997. So there's still 10 years in the middle there that they still yeah. have nowhere to go.
1: So where, where did they go? Did they just... Did they become street people? Did they relocate them in some other area of Hong Kong? The British would have had to do that because they were the ones who were destroying the buildings.
0: Yeah, like I think yeah, there's no yeah. question that 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 and now the current situation they have to be connected.
1: Is, yeah, is part of is part of this destitution of these people who are living in these small little, well, like little crates. Are they part of that? problem that they were resol- they thought they were solving by destroying the building but what do you do with those people then you had 33,000 of them where did they go
0: it reminds me of uh they're always talking about how there's crazy homeless people fucking everywhere in San Francisco like it's out of control how like there's just human shit on the fucking sidewalk all the time cuz there's and uh I watched a documentary once about how that happened and it's basically like there was a combination of stuff decades back where they were using LSD to try to help people with mental problems in this weird way. And at the same time, they uh, basically just any, any like halfway house type places or places for people with mental problems, they shut them all down and kicked everybody out. And now 30, 40 years later you just have crazy drug-addicted homeless people everywhere. (laughs) And yeah, it's just that knock-on effect of stuff you did 40 years ago doesn't just go away. (laughs) And this is like that, but even more. I mean, China's just fucked. Like, China and, and India. Like, if you ever look at just the... I looked up one time just the Wikipedia page for amount of population in countries, and they just have it listed. It's no other information, just that. Because, you know, like Canada, we have whatever, 30 some million. America has 300 million. You know, it's like a lot more. But as you go up the the chain, yeah, it's like America's at the top with 300 million, except India, a billion. China, a billion. Like the little bar just goes way out. And it's like, what the fuck happened in those countries? (laughs) Like, how can anything ever work properly in a country with a billion people? And it doesn't. It obviously doesn't.
1: <laughs> you no, know, nope. like, it works for the people that have, but the have-nots. There's all kinds of them around, and it, it doesn't work for them.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, and again, it's like. And it's, the haves
1: are really not interested in making it work for the have-nots.
0: Right, but again, like even we're uh, kind of talking about like in Japan or whatever. Like, yeah, I'd just be homeless, whatever. Wouldn't kill you, <laughs> but it probably you probably would kill you in in Hong Kong because there's so many more people. Like, even that is probably, it's probably a lot of, uh, like, competition for homelessness, (laughs) you know, like, to even be able to survive through that. I always kind of think, too, with stuff like this, it's like, uh, it's like, I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. It feels kind of empty to be like, oh, we got to change these things and fix this stuff. But I kind of like knowing about it just because, like, what if someday I'm somehow in the Canadian seat of uh, the U.N. or something? (laughs) You know, it's nice to know about these things. But as to what you can do...
1: Affordable housing is a problem, like, worldwide. Yeah. In every little community, even our little community here. Homelessness is a problem. Affordable housing is a problem. But that is a ridiculous problem. Too many people in too limited a space.
0: So anyway, yeah, I don't know how to wrap that one up. That's just, uh, that's what's going on in Hong Kong. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, because again, I do find the Walled City, maybe the reality wasn't so good. But the again, the the idea of it is very neat and very cool. But what well, it has wrought is not neat or cool at all.
1: And it had, you know, it obviously had problems. Like they say, there was you know, the brothels and the dope and the, and the opium dens and um but still, <laughs> dentists
0: just tons of yeah, dentists tons
1: of dentists, but still, I'm sure there was a there was a sense of ownership there because those people squatted there and built that over the years right um so they owned it, so even though it was overcrowded and it obviously had some issues that I wouldn't be particularly fond of, it would be their home. they created that. So there would be a, a feeling of, of ownership there, whereas in those little apartments, there's no sense of ownership there. That's just paying a whole lot of money to some landlord who's created some little small place and can get the money for it. Isn't and it so he will.
0: Interesting, too, with the walled city that uh, like that's one of the other things that's interesting about it is that it's so rare to find examples of what happens when people are not governed, when it's just lawless. And it could have been worse. You know, like, there's no stories about, like, oh, this whole side of the walled city collapsed or anything. Like, they obviously had carpenters that knew what they were doing that were like, okay, we're going to build on top of this, but we're going to make sure that we do it in a way that everything doesn't collapse on everyone. And, like, it, it worked.
1: <laughs> and they would have been, they, they were a community. That was the other thing that is, that is lacking in those coffin places, those coffin apartments. They were a community, they built the place. They ran businesses there. They did their cooking there. Somebody had a convenience store. There's probably more than one. But there was a convenience store, so everybody would go to the convenience store. They'd know the shopkeeper. They were within a very enclosed area. Uh, Obviously, the British weren't interested, or the outside Hong Kong people weren't interested in going into that place. They probably just saw it as a Slovene dump. But the people who lived there that was home for them they built it they had that sense of community with each other and they ran their businesses so they didn't necessarily even go outside and bring in a whole lot of stuff they may have brought in some stuff but basically they were self-sufficient and that's why it's kind of interesting to know like what happened to them after after, after the decision was made to destroy that community where did they go
0: I wonder too, as far as like the, yeah, the communal aspect of it, like it seems on the surface dangerous or whatever, like, oh, that's the dangerous place. You don't go in there. Oh my God, you're in trouble. But uh, I remember like when I moved to New York, people would say, you know, it's got that reputation of like, oh, you're going to get mugged in New York, big, scary New York. But the only time you were ever in danger is even in the middle of the night is only if no one was around. As long as you were in Times Square or something and there's people everywhere, you're fine. No one's going to rob you when there's people around, you know? And that's probably what the Walled City was like. It's like, if you know everybody and there's always people around, you're not going to get mugged in the Walled City, Good everybody.
1: Point. You Good know? point, right. People are going to look out for you. Right. Um, if they see you being attacked and you're, you're, you're their neighbor or their friend or their part of their community, yeah, they're going to come to your rescue.
0: Like even in Bloodsport, they're like, all right, G.I. Joe, come on in, and we'll show you the Walt City and the creepy music. But there was a little kid running around, <laughs> even in that footage,
1: because <laughs> like, there's kids all over the place. Oh Yeah, all kinds of kids. <laughs> all kinds of kids were showing in that little documentary that you showed, because yep. that was home for them. They would feel very comfortable in there. They probably knew every little nook and cranny in the whole damn place, and they probably knew about half of the 33,000 people. And that's why when you hear somebody says, well, when I think about it, I, th- I I have dreams about it, and I it, they're good dreams, because that's home.
0: Man, oh, that's like, again, just getting into all the weird political stuff. But uh, I saw this one little mini-documentary about a guy who, uh, he managed to escape from North Korea and get to South Korea. And you're like, all right, you did it. You got away from the horrors of North Korea, and now you're in the beautiful, modern metropolis of South Korea. But the the documentary was about how he almost killed himself because... The life he lived in south korea was now just standard capitalism 101 it's like all i do is work all i i don't really have any friends no one cares about me i'm just a cog in this big machine of seoul where obviously north korea was worse but i was with my family all the time yeah. and it, or there's another it's a oh man what was that documentary it's called god grew tired of us i think and it's about a bunch of people from africa who it's like, hey, we won the lottery. We all get to move to America. Some program or whatever, and it was a similar thing. They were like, I hate America. Like yeah. we don't have any friends anymore. Everyone is isolated. Everyone's individualistic. And back in Africa, and
1: nobody cares. Yeah, right.
0: And nobody back cares. in Africa, we were poor, but we knew everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we knew who we could count on, and we knew there was that sense of belonging. Right. And that's why I'm saying I'm, I'm I think I'm going to go look into what happened to those people.
0: Yeah, to see if anybody after they left
1: because that if they were all displaced and put all over the place, well, all that sense of belonging that they had, no matter how rough and dirty and you know being living rough and dirty and it being a tough way to live, it's not always so bad if you've got all those other things, that sense of belonging, community, uh, people will be there for you.
0: Yeah, because I do feel like North America in particular, yeah, like I, I feel like that a lot, even just me and the people I know or whatever, is we are all super individualistic and we're all going after our own little goals in life and doing our own little thing, and we're used to it. But yeah, I can easily see how if you're not used to this little individualistic life that we have, it must be miserable. It's like, oh great, I get to go get a burger from fucking Burger King Hooray! Like, what is the actual benefit? How great is North America if you don't care about the the fancy trappings of it? You know, like, well, what it, do we actually get out of this you deal? You get
1: that sense in, in America particularly, uh, when the early immigrants came over here. And did they spread around all over the place? No. They formed communities that were Irish-centered, Italian-centered, German-centered. Because they were their people. They would... They could count on each other, they could belong to each other. They could have just gone anywhere in the United States. It was a great big place, but they didn't. They formed these little enclosed areas, and you see it in New York and you see it in Boston. Um, yeah area you see it you see it anywhere. the French corridor, the Italian corridor, the same thing. there's a, a community, a sense of community of drawing together with people that you know who share the same culture that yeah so i don't know living in the walled city i i I get it that maybe it wasn't the most clean place it wasn't sanitized it was overcrowded no question about it but i could see people having a real sense of camaraderie with their neighbors and their friends and and if you're born into it that's what you know yeah you wouldn't necessarily feel uncomfortable with that overcrowdedness because that's what you're born into
0: yeah so anyway i'm glad uh again i was like i don't know if there'll be much to say about that i'm glad we got a (laughs) glad we got a podcast out of it but that just tied in so well to what we did last week that i was like i was kind of glad when i because it just took me a few days because even i cut it out of last week's episode but i was just like what was there wasn't there something else i was going to show you and we couldn't remember what it was and then days later it came into my head kowloon Walled city i was like oh that could be a podcast that's the kowloon Walled city that shit's crazy but yeah, I do think if they were to make a proper full-length documentary, maybe that would be the way to flesh it out. Is Half of it could be about the city, and then the other half could be like, what happened after would be be a lot of research. Lord knows I will have no capacity to make this thing, but hopefully someone will someday.